Hello, and welcome to the Purposely Podcast. We are on a mission to share the most inspiring stories and insights from leading entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and educators. Here is your host, Emily Jacks. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of Purposely. Today, I am welcoming fellow Tasmanian, Theo Capodistrius. I think I've said it right. Welcome. Thank you. Wonderful. Amazing. So uh, Theo and I were introduced by um, a friend of mine who lives in Launceston. He said, you have to meet this guy. I think you'll really like him. And we had a really good conversation on the phone. And I said, I need to get you on my podcast to share your cool story and what you're doing at the moment. But I guess if I met you at a at a dinner party and I said, G'day, Theo, what do you do? How would you explain to people what you do? Because you've got like a day job, but then you've got kind of this side thing that you're doing. I do all, all the things, Emily. Um, if, I, if I was introduced to you at a party, I'd say, hey, so... I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I am the general counsel of a cybersecurity software company, and that is heaps of fun, and I'm all by myself in that endeavor. I am the sole lawyer for a global company, which is a lot of fun, based in Hobart, which is even more amazing. Uh, but I'm also a keynote speaker, trainer, and advisor. So because I don't like to put myself in a little box, um, I love just doing all the things. I don't think I need to be limited to one particular profession. I think that is something very much unique to the millennial generation who just love doing all the things. So I am a keynote speaker, trainer, and advisor. So I uh, speak at conferences and events. Um, I, I do corporate training for organizations and companies, and I do one-on-one advisor work, and that's something I've recently launched um, just to help people on an individual basis. I love it. I love it. So, what kinds of things do you speak about? Like, what's what's your what's your your thing? I guess for my little side hustle, the entire purpose behind it is to help individuals to communicate, to simplify their language, to amplify their message, and allow them to demonstrate their value. Ultimately, I, I want to help people be seen, be heard, and to make an impact. So that's kind of my why and my purpose. Love it. That is so cool. So we're, we're talking my language because I'm into all all those things and, and uh, my other business, HR Gurus, our, uh, our whole philosophy is to make HR simple mm. because people like the law, they quite often think that it's really scary and complicated, but it's not. You can always simplify things, I believe, and the beauty is in the simplicity if you can break it down oh my god my dogs are fighting outside the window i hope you can't hear them no, couldn't hear. <laughs> <laughs> they do this every time i do a podcast they decide to join me and make some noise so so let's go back a step though and hear about your story why did you decide to study law law and be a lawyer like like let's go back to the, the very very beginning let's hear about your childhood like have you always lived in the wonderful Tasmania? I want to hear the whole shebang. 
Yeah, well, let's let's hear the story of Theo. So I've always grown up in Hobart, and I love Tasmania, and it's somewhere where I just feel really deeply connected. It's just part of who I am, and I guess part of my personal brand is to bring in Tasmania as part of me and what I do because I just think it's it's important and not many other people do that but if we're looking at I guess my childhood and where I kick off so um grew up in a little suburb in Hobart called Lena Valley um my family did and still does uh, run a corner store there and I was pretty much the little kid behind the counter grabbing chippies and having ice cream and yeah I was I was um it was really interesting because I I kind of grew up um yeah there and behind the counter so like people who uh still pop in today remember me like when i was born and stuff like that which is so <laughs> funny. Uh, just amazing it. yeah seeing seeing the community as well and being part of that community is pretty amazing kind of cool so that's always a bit of fun um yeah and then yeah, did, did all my schooling in lena valley newtown area as well and it was probably in grade 10 when I thought, you know, I need to figure out what I want to do with my life. And it's really it's really quite a tricky thing because for me, I didn't want to work in the corner store. Um, that, that That's not – it didn't align to, you know, what I wanted to do in the world. Like, you know, it's it's been an amazing business for my family to do their thing and to, you know, generate an income because it was my grandparents' business originally and now my parents own it. And I think, you know, that's been – really fantastic and it's given me a lot of skills in uh, you know business and just work ethic and what it takes like just grit and resilience and you know dealing with all those important life skills um which is so critical and you know stuff that I've taken with me and just, you know take with me every day um but yeah I was in grade 10 and I thought you know how do I combine the things that I like like how do I combine all of my interests and things I like include problem solving um, I love just, you know, figuring out an issue and getting to the nitty gritty and coming to a solution to, at the end. Uh, I love working with people. I love talking to people. I love, you know, working with them. That's really important to me. And then communication, speaking, writing. Um, love that too. Uh, I, I was a huge drama nerd. That was my thing at school. So grade 10, I won the drama prize at school. Um, I did. I studied drama in grade 11. I did theatre performance in grade 12. So for me, that performance aspect is really important. Um, it's kind of why I got into the keynote speaking aspect, I guess. But for law, I thought, you know, I could actually combine all of these things and mesh it into a career, and it kind of made sense. Um so then when I went into, I guess, grade 11 and 12 at Guildford Young College, that to me seemed like a really appropriate thing to, you know, do all the do all the classes that would align to me having, getting into law school at the University of Tasmania. And yeah, then I kicked off studying there. Um, and not long after that, I, I could actually, like, after I graduated from a Bachelor of Arts and Bachelor of Law and a graduate diploma of legal practice because, you know, you've got to do all the things, um, and was admitted to the Supreme Court of Tasmania in 2014, I kicked off my legal career as a lawyer for the University of Tasmania. So I didn't leave, which was <laughs> a bit crazy. So, yeah, it started as a student, then continued there as a lawyer. Um, that was, that was a lot of fun. That was 
it was a very yeah. unique opportunity. Oh, sorry, can you just hang on one sec? I'm going to try and get rid of these dogs because they're <laughs> Get out. Oh, my God, they're so annoying. I've got a puppy and she just torments the other dog constantly. Raven, no. No, get out. I'm sorry, the editor's going to have to cut this bit out for the live people. Get out. Go away. Stop it. Naughty. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Hopefully they will listen. They probably won't, but anyway. So you so you never left the University of Tasmania. You ended up working there as a lawyer. I did. So I ended up just becoming part of the team, which was pretty cool. Very interesting and unique experience for me um, to kick off a career in what is an older environment. So, and I don't say that in a very diplomatic, very diplomatic way of saying that. Mm. And I, you know, the stats were there. Uh, the annual report. I think the you know, the last one I looked at while when when I was when I was an employee there, um, said that you know the average age of employees was you know the age of forty seven, and I started my career as a twenty three year old, and that's pretty tricky to throw yourself <laughs> into an environment where you like you need people to listen to you, you need people to listen to your advice because you're helping them yeah. to get something done, and if you're twenty three and they're like in their fifties. It's a, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to get noticed and recognised because people, like people, you know, might not trust you. They might not think, oh, you know, you're the you're the one I've been given. Like I feel like I've been, you know, given the bottom of the pile. Um, <laughs> it's really, really interesting, really interesting um, challenge that millennials face in the workforce is that quite often uh, they are either managing people that are older than them and so they're one of the first generations to have to do that en masse like that used to be kind of something that was a unique thing that would happen but now a lot of millennial leaders are managing people that are older than them but then also I hear quite often people who work in corporate and traditional kind of industry find it hard to be heard exactly what what you are talking about so for people who are listening what's your advice to overcome that what did you do so for me i believed that it was really really key to uh, refine my communication so this is kind of like the entire purpose behind what i speak about in my side business and that is if you can improve how you communicate and communicate in a way that people understand they feel like they've been heard and you communicate in a language which resonates with them, you can help build trust. Once you have that trust, you can then get, you know, the attention you deserve and you can actually be heard. And I think that's something that's really tough that people don't often get. Um, I think initially, you know, when you kick off in a corporate career, you haven't developed those sort of practical skills to um, communicate and work with people in a way which, you know, is is what they're used to or what is appropriate for that environment. Um, as a graduate, you're you're still in that sort of educational mindset of, oh well, I need to, I need to write really comprehensive things. I, I need to this is like referenced, and I need to you know research this to the eyeballs, uh, or otherwise no one's going to trust me because someone will look at it and think I don't know what I'm talking about. But it, someone who is coming to you for help they just want an answer yes no can i do this 
that just makes sense. Um, am I going to get screwed over if I'm if I don't get, you know, if I don't do this or that? So you have to answer the question. Just knowing how to present information or communicate mm. that information is so important. Um, one of my keynotes is called simplify and amplify crafting a message that matters and i talk about a lot of this stuff in that um, because i think people do struggle to really um compile a message that is able to be heard by other people that will allow them to be recognized for what they're really worth and the, the value that they're trying to contribute I find, I find it really interesting that you know often in workplaces this stuff isn't taught you just have to figure it out you just have to be there and you know after a couple of years maybe um, you'll get somewhere. But I think with millennials, not necessarily only millennials, but, you know, maybe the next generation generation as well, you know, if they're not um, finding that purpose in their environment, they're not, you know, feeling like they're contributing to that overall organisational goal, um, they're going to leave. I think that's, you know, I think indicates that. And if you're not being heard and you don't feel like anyone's listening to what you're saying, of course you're going to go. Like, why would you want to work in that sort of environment? So I think these are the skills that we need to, like, hone in on this current generation of future leaders and current leaders because they, they need, I guess, that ability to um, to really do their best, to be recognised. So it's my driver. It's my passion. It's very exciting. I love it. I love it. Have you got any stories of when you've when you've overcome, like, a... A, a challenging relationship through using those strategies around keeping it simple and, and being really direct and, and giving people an outcome because I think that people people learn through storytelling because it makes it real. So have you got like a an example that you can share with us around that? Yeah. So thinking to – it was kind of the early days in my job. I've had this big – quite a big meeting in like a big boardroom, like massive. All these senior executives were there. I was the only person from the legal team. Um, so I popped in and sat down and I got looked at like, who's this guy? Like, <laughs> here to help with some legal stuff, you know, trying to keep it casual and cool. Um, and then, you know, an issue was raised um, and there was a whole discussion around it. Um, and then I popped in to cite the legislation. Oh, the legislation indicates that, you know, this, that, the other. I, I got the collective groan when I spoke. Like I had a heap of people go, oh, here we go. Here we go. And I thought, all right, okay, that that's not working. What do I have to do? So I kind of had to just think on my feet and let the conversation roll. And then I interjected again and said, um, the best thing for us to do is this, this, and this. These are our options. Um, and I think we can work together to make this an outcome that will be appropriate for what you want to do and what you want to do because there's a whole discussion happening. That's when I started getting people's attention because they realised that I had listened to what they were saying, but I could present that information in a way that was really easy for them to understand and it wasn't boring for them. It didn't go into that, um, you know, that technical legal jargon that no one cares about uh, except other lawyers, but, you know, we don't need to talk to each other about this. We, like, the entire job is to talk to other people and make law accessible to them. 
So being able to, I guess, present that information in a way that could be digestible and used in a really practical, simple format um, gave me a really good outcome. And then it also helped me build my brand and reputation in in that employment environment, which is really great. Um, and yeah, I had a really good five and a, well, nearly six years at the University of Tasmania, but then, yeah, moved on to bigger things. So I love now, that. I love that, though, that, um, that what it sounds like what you did there was you showed them a way that they could get the outcome that they want. Because when people are asking for advice, they don't want you to regurgitate all the reasons why they can't do what they want to do, right? And this is what we find in our line of work, working in HR consulting. And that's what a lot of lawyers and a lot of HR consultants do uh, is they tell you all the risks, all the reasons why you shouldn't do that, but they don't actually use their problem-solving brain and say, hey, look, this is the way that we can get the outcome that you want and here are a couple of options. Because at the end of the day, people want autonomy, they want choice, right? They want to be able to decide how they take action. They don't want, no one likes being told what to do. And I think that sometimes sometimes advisors forget that their job is to give advice. It's not to tell people, hey, you should do this or you can't do this. So I think that the example you gave there is really good. And I think that if anyone's working in a role where they are giving people advice, that would be my number one tip. Listen, find out what they want and then give them options because at the end of the day, it's their choice on what they do, not yours. Absolutely. Because advice is advice. People take it or leave it. It's ultimately what they do with it. So... Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and no one wants to be told what to do by a little, you know, a young upstart in their in their business, especially if they're older than you. I feel like um, really good con consultancy is actually doing that, consulting with people, not telling. Um, yeah. Well, I love that. That's a great example. So you worked at the um, University of Tasmania for six years, and then did you then move to this company that you're working for now? I did. So um, it was during COVID. Uh, it was pretty. It's pretty funny. I was. Um, I was featured on another podcast. It was my first podcast. A friend of mine called Melissa. She uh, started up a podcast for lawyers, in house oh. lawyers. I was featured on episode one. Yeah. Um, Woohoo! Launch episode. And um, <laughs> then, then um, yeah, someone who was in Tasmania heard the podcast and she said hey i'd really love to meet you seem really cool so we had a coffee uh and she said yeah you know if you're looking for other opportunities there are all these amazing tech companies in hobart you should check them out and i thought really who would have thunk it who would have thunk it she you know, reeled off a few and one of them caught my eye because i'd heard of it before uh upguard i thought who who are these guys and i thought Oh, no, I've spoken to someone from there before, actually. I was meant to meet with someone from there. They wanted to meet me for a coffee, ended up getting cancelled. So I thought, you know what? Why don't I send them an email? What's the worst thing that can happen? It gets ignored, it, it deleted, whatever. What have I lost at the end of the day? Nothing. I sent an email to say, hey, look, you know, you guys seem pretty cool. Uh, I'm pretty interested in what you're doing and you know, the work that you do. Um, in case you're looking for legal 
governance, risk, compliance, assistance, let me know. And then a couple of days later, I got a, got a reply back saying, we'd love to have a chat. And then after a two week recruitment process with, uh, you know, several interviews and an assignment, got a job offer. And then here I am now, um, eight or nine months later, just having a really great time establishing what the legal department looks like, um, being you know, running the governance risk compliance functions as well. Uh, and just, yeah, really enjoying this change of pace and different environment. It's been, it's been really, really fun. I love it. I love that, that you just put yourself out there. It's a really good message for people. you got to put yourself out there, man. If you want something, you've got to ask for it. There is no harm in asking and then you will be rewarded. So um, what's it like working for a tech company coming from a, a uh, university which can be quite like bureaucratic, very... Um, you know, slow, slow paced, shall we say, um, risk averse? Like, is it, how did you adapt to this new environment? Like, was it hard? Um, I, I was pretty fortunate that, you know, I had a lot of people to support me in, you know, the, and still do, I guess, initial, in the initial stage, I had a lot of people to support me to say, you know, this is, this is how we do things. This is the culture, this is how decision-making works. Um, and this is where you fit in. Um, so I got to just be myself, which is really nice. I didn't have to, um, you know, put on a persona or, you know, try and, you know, follow like these lines of formality. I got to just get in there and work with people and, you know, demonstrate, hey, this is what, this is what I do. This is like legal advice is, and this is how we can work together. Um, so I got to just get in there pretty, pretty early on and provide guidance and assistance and be really useful from like day one, which is incredible. Um, I really, really love the ability to, you know, get in there and, you know, find my feet really fast. Like I actually felt so comfortable with this place within the first couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, nothing to do with like my old job, but I didn't feel comfortable there for at least a year. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, it's a bit uncomfortable. Um, and yeah, the change of pace has been pretty crazy. Like decision-making, here like it's robust because it's a process but it's fast yeah someone and say yeah well you know what's the proposal you know xyz one two three this is what i'm thinking risks um benefits awesome sounds good go do it love that i love it i love that but and are they okay with you having a side hustle and do they know that you that you do other things on the side yeah um you know that's all um disclosed and there's no conflict there um and because we're in a very flexible environment which has been really positive for me so you know i i get to work um all sorts of hours i want which which work for me um you know if i'm taking time out of my day to do something else then i'll make it up that same day in the evening for example as long it's really just about um getting the tasks done it isn't about it. sitting in a seat um and feeling mm -hmm. that time it is about doing the work it's outcome focused um, yeah it's being accessible as well so i because the company's global um i've got people in the us who you know will be messaging you know at all hours and i'm always happy to reply because i'm generally online a lot um and you know i think the ability for me to be able to take my laptop with me and work somewhere and do stuff 
and not be necessarily locked to my desk is so awesome. And I think that's, you know, the flexibility that is really, really important. And it's something this company has had before COVID because, you know, remote working wasn't foreign to them. It was just part of the culture. Um, And hopefully I think, you know, things develop in the rest of the world and everyone else is able to do the same sort of thing. Yeah, I definitely think it's the way of the world. I mean, I found out during COVID, my business, we worked from home for seven months and then we were like, why do we not just do this moving forward, got rid of our office that was costing us nearly $50,000 a year and I moved to Tasmania and the business is doing great because you, you definitely can run a business from home and you're right. It's about outcomes. It's not about being online or being available or being in an office from nine to five. That shit is dead, man. And businesses need to cotton on, especially if they've got young people, that what people want is workplace flexibility now and not pretend workplace flexibility, which is what we had in the past. Yeah. Um, It's like real flexibility for people to be able to work when they want, how they want, where they want. So... I'm going to ask you now about an amazing initiative that you've taken on and you have uh, purchased a license to run a TEDx, the first one since 2014. 2014? 2014, yeah. In Tasmania. Like, it's so exciting. Why the heck did you decide to do that? It's a pretty pretty bold move, man. Uh, Look, Emily, I am so excited for TEDx Hobart. so a few reasons. One, uh, I just thought, what an amazing way to showcase the um, awesome stuff that's happening in Hobart and Tasmania. What a format to provide people with the opportunity to share the amazing things that are happening in my home. Yeah. We don't get we don't get that opportunity often. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of people doing amazing things, but they don't get the stage to do it. So if I can provide a stage for people to get the opportunity to put their brilliant idea out there, to share their story, to share some of the important work that they've done. That is awesome. That is so cool to me. And it creates a community. It creates uh, a group of people who want to do better, who want to do great things for society, who want to learn as well. Like I think for the people, Attend. They are going to learn so many brilliant things from the people that we get to speak. Um, and I'm really, 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 really looking forward to the curation aspect of TEDx. Um, I've got an amazing speaking coach. Her name's Kate Cashman. And together, possibly with an advisory panel as well, we'll be um, thinking of the key ideas that are going to be important for Tasmanian community, but also important from a global perspective as well. Like, what do we want to showcase to the rest of the world? And what are the voices that we have down here that can, I guess, best present that? So the curation will be in two parts. The first will be, you know, us thinking about the ideas and actively searching for people to speak on those. And then also opening up to Tasmania to say, hey, we've got got spaces left. If you want to speak at this event, submit your idea through and let's have a conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess some another reason why I uh, thought it would be a great idea to do the TEDx was because I was talking on Clubhouse, the audio app, 
the drop-in audio app, if you've heard of it. Hopefully, the yeah, yeah. too. It's a bit of fun. Um, someone said, oh, getting a license is so hard. Getting a TEDx license is the most difficult thing in the world. I, like, don't even try. Oh. I thought, are you kidding me? Yep, challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. So that same day, I just grabbed my laptop out, sat down for about 40 minutes, put the application together, submit. Three weeks later, I got an email saying, congratulations, here's your licence. Wow, there you go. Well, that was hard. Come on. Don't you love that? Don't you love it when people just put this, put this um, like a roadblock in front of something? Uh, I think that you're very similar to me, Theo, listening to you speak in that, I don't see problems. I just see opportunities. Like there's, if, if someone says, no, you can't, like there's always a way, always. Um, and I think that that mindset is really valuable uh, in life and adopting that philosophy helps you get shit done that other people won't do because they're too scared. But anything's possible, man, and I'm so excited to uh, hopefully participate in some way, shape, in, in, I can't even talk. You know what I'm trying to say with this TEDx thing, and um, I think it's a great, great idea. I love TEDx. I love the philosophy of it, and I think that me. I've only been here for four months, but there is so much amazing talent down here in Tassie. People down here are just awesome. It's just got such a great vibe, great community, and I think it's going to be a rip snorting success. And I, I can't wait to attend. Um, but if people want to find out more about you and get you to maybe come and speak at an event or would like to inquire about the TEDx, what is the best place that they can look you up? Wow. So there's a few channels people can find me, but let's start with probably the obvious one, which is my website. Check me out, www.theocap.com.au. Um, you can contact me there. We can have a chat. Um, you're very welcome to find me on LinkedIn, um, Theo Capodistrius. That's my name down below. Um, you can find me on Instagram, TheoCap88. Um, and if you very specifically only want to look at TEDx stuff, head to our website and sign up to the mailing list. The website's been developed at the moment, so you'll just see a landing page for our mailing list right now. And that is tedxhobart.com.au. Woohoo. Coming to you in 2022. It sounds yeah. like sounds like so in the future, but it's next year. It's not that far. How crazy <laughs> is that? Well, Theo, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. You're a legend. Um, congratulations on an amazing career to date, and I can't wait to see what you do in the future and come down to old Hobart Town and go out for some Greek food, which is one of my favourites. So um, thank you once again. Have a great day. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll be sharing Theo's handles when we publish the episode in all the places. Thank you.